I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome once again to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. And occasionally on the program, we're very fortunate to have a survivor willing to share their story with us, and that is the case today. Um, Deborah Hackworth was able to talk with Rita, and Rita, through our Zoom exciting platform that we've been working on lately, um, will be sharing her survivor story. So thank you for joining us today, and thank you, Rita. Today we're being joined by Rita, and Rita is going to share her survivor story. Thank you for joining us, Rita. Thank you for having me, Deborah. So, um, would you like to tell your story, kind of start at the beginning and um, where we sure. were? Sure. Well, um, as I look back over my life, to tell this story, I'll go back to when I was about eight years old. And uh, I had come to live with my mom and my stepdad. I hadn't always lived with my mom. Uh, my dad uh, had custody of us children, and we lived with uh, our grandmother after he remarried. However, I had come to live with my mom and my stepfather, and uh, I loved my stepfather. He was kind, and, and um, I was happy to be with my mom, and so I loved him. Well, my mom worked every day. And so did my stepfather and um, my granddad would kind of look out for me. But uh, I had been outside playing. It was a summer day. And uh, my stepfather, when he got home from work, he did construction work. And so I guess once they were done, he, he got home. He got home earlier than my mom. He called me in the house and said, you know, I need to clean, get you cleaned up. Your mom will have a fit when she comes home and you're dirty. So I, okay. And so he started to wash me up. And um, that's when things got strange. And uh, for me as a little girl of eight years old, and uh, he began to fondle me under my clothes. And I was shocked. Um, I didn't really know what to say, where that was coming from. And... Um, you know, it didn't last very long, but I was shocked and, and, and I didn't say anything. Um, and that was just the beginning of him um, fondling me. He would always choose to do it after that point at nighttime when I would go to bed. Uh, I was a heavy sleeper. I played hard all day long like most little kids in Chicago on the 
streets and he would um, wait till I would go to sleep at night. And it didn't matter what I put on to try to protect my genitals, he would always um, find a way to uh, get into my underpants and fondle, fondle me. And he would do it at night. And I don't know why he did it at night, but somehow or another, the next day, it didn't all seem as real as it did that first time during the day. So anyway, that um, happened for a number of years. I loved my stepfather and uh, I didn't understand what was going on. I knew it wasn't right because it didn't feel right and, and it did not make me feel good and it just wasn't right. At that point in time, I don't think he had ever said to me, uh, don't tell your mother. But I knew not to tell my mother. I just knew it wasn't right. But one morning, my mom had gone to work and uh, I would do something that was so silly to me now when I think about it. But I thought if I could be close to my mom, he wouldn't bother me. If I was in the bed with her, he wouldn't bother me. Now he was in the bed with her too. But he would get up and go to work, and, uh, and I would just be in the bed with her. And it seemed that at that time, he didn't bother me. Well, one morning, um, I think I may have been about 10 at the time, uh, my mom got up and went to work and left me in bed with him. And when I woke up, I woke up to a full frontal naked man. And it scared me so bad, I, I went to run and uh, to get away from him. And I was going to run downstairs to my grandfather's house, who I knew would protect me if I would, could get downstairs. But I was going to go out the back door, down the back steps, and that lock was difficult to, to open. So my stepfather caught me. And that was the day he said, um, if, if you tell your mom, if you tell your grandfather, first of all, I'll kill him. Now, I was very close to my grandfather. We call him Big Daddy. And uh, I knew he would protect me if he could, but I believed my stepfather. Not only that, he told me that day, he said, and I'll kill your mother, I'll kill your brothers, and I'll be gone back to Mississippi, and they'll never find me. Now, for a 10-year-old who'd never been anywhere other than in Illinois, I didn't know Mississippi was just maybe 18, 20 hours away and people couldn't really kill you and go away. I believed him. I believed him that he would kill my grandparents and he would kill my, my mother. And so I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her. So it went on and it went on and it went on. Now, during that time, there were periods of time that... I wanted my stepfather to love me. And so I was, when I think back, I was always trying to say, hey, I'm, a, I'm an okay kid. You can love me. See, I'll be nice to you. You know, um, he wanted me, he liked me to shave him. He taught me how to shave him. And I liked doing it. I think somehow or another, I thought if I do it and I do it well, somehow or another, um, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't continue to bother me. Mm -hmm. And so that, that kind of created a little craziness in my head. But 
I was a kid. I didn't really know what was going on. I understand a lot of things now that I didn't understand then. However, so I, we moved to the west side of Chicago, and it continued. It didn't matter that uh, my brothers and I, for a period of time, slept on a, a, a fold-out couch. Uh, and, uh, but he'd find a way to, to get to me. One of the things I didn't understand then, I understand it now, but uh, I didn't understand that a lot of my behavior, a lot of things that I did, a lot of uh, wrong things that I did, a lot of misbehaving had a lot to do with that. I was afraid to go to sleep at night. And I would try so hard not to because if I, as long as I was awake, he wasn't bothering me. But as soon as I would go to sleep, he would. He cut the seat out of my panties, and I didn't even feel it. I thought something was wrong with me. How come you're sleeping through this? One time I put on a, a, a bathing suit because it fit tighter. He still cut the bottom out of them, and I didn't even feel it. So anyway, um, you know, time went on, and um, so we moved back to Southside. I think I maybe was around 12 or so. And, and it continued. He, my mom would work and he worked and he would go out every evening after he got off work, which I was happy about. But by that time I was bitter. I was bitter and I no longer felt like I loved him. I no longer felt like I wanted to be nice to him. And, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want my mother to call him my father. And, uh, and so it was pretty obvious that I had become a very bitter kid by that time. And uh, I was terrible at breaking curfew. Well, I broke curfew all the time because I did not want to be home when he was home. Or I wanted to at least um, get home when him and my mom was already in bed. So, you know, that was crazy behavior because I was being disobedient. But I understand now that I was just trying to protect myself. Well, I didn't love him. I didn't like him. And it was very obvious to my mom. But... She did not, and, and again, my mom was a young woman when she had us as children, and I'm not trying to make her look bad. I'm trying to tell my story because, uh, again, it was confusing to me. So long story short is one day a neighbor friend of ours who I had kind of confided in, um, she, um, she asked, what's going on with you and your stepfather? I, I can tell something's not right because I was so bitter. And, and again, my behaviors were, were not good. And, uh, and I told her, the first person I had ever told. I trusted her and I told her. And she believed me. She said, you're gonna need to tell your mom. I said, I can't tell her, she won't believe me. She said, I'll be with you. And so when my mom got home from work that day, our neighbor, who was a friend of my mom's also. Um, my mom looked up to her. We told my mom. And of course, my mom didn't believe it. She did not believe it. And uh, I just became more angry and more bitter. And uh, I begged her, don't say anything to him because I was afraid of what he might do. Well, 
at some point in time, she asked him, did he do it? He cried, no, I didn't do it, blah, blah, blah. I love her, so forth and so on. She's just a teenager. You know, she's um, rebellious. You know, she must have started going with boys or liking boys, which is true. All of that was true. I was a teenager. I was rebellious by that time. I was with my boyfriend. But that had nothing to do with what he had did to me. So my mom didn't believe it. I didn't feel protected. I, um, I became angrier. One evening, I was about 14 years old, and uh, my mom and I had gone somewhere, and oh, we got back home, and he was mad because my mom had went out, and um, he jumped on her and started beating her. And I had kind of secretly said, next time he beat her up, because it was a domestic violence home. It was guns and knives and shootings and black eyes and busted lips and bloody noses. And well, anyway, I said, next time he beat her up, I'm not gonna help her. I'm not gonna say anything because after all, she's not protecting me. She doesn't believe me. Well, that, that didn't last very long. And uh, he jumped on her and was beating her up. I couldn't take it. I took a big Coke bottle and hit him across the head. And um, he tried to, to, to get me then. And at that point, I, I ran out of the house, ultimately getting the police. They came back and, and uh, they arrested him. It was the first time I heard my mom say uh, that he had did anything to me. She used that occasion to tell the police that he's been molesting my daughter. Never once has she said to me, I believe you. So I don't know, that didn't feel real genuine, didn't feel good about it. But nonetheless, they took him out of there and he didn't come back. And do you know, somehow or another, as happy as I was that that man was gone, that I could go to bed at night and not have to worry about him touching me again, I still, for whatever reason, felt like I need him to know I'm okay. You know, you didn't break me. Actually, he did. I didn't realize how broke I was. But in my mind, I was still, I was a teenager at that time. And I can remember one time going to where, I, uh, where he lived just to say hi, just to say, I'm, I'm okay. Now, that made no sense to me. None. And, and, and that only happened maybe once or twice. And, um, so I went on with my life and my life has a lot of different turns, but that's not what this talk is about. Uh, I married young and divorced young and remarried again and have a wonderful life. However, um, one day my mom and I, uh, we, we needed to talk about that. She had come to live with me and I was happy to have her there. I, had, I felt like I had forgiven her for not protecting me, not believing me, not being there for me. I felt like that. I really did. I wanted her and I to have a life. I wanted her to have a life with her grandchildren. But something triggered me one day and oh my God, I went off. And I, I told all about it. You, how dare you criticize any other parent when you didn't protect me and you didn't believe me. And my mom said to me, I didn't know. You didn't tell me, which is true, but I felt like you should have known, right? And when I did tell you, mom, you didn't believe me. 
And she said, well, you, you, were, you were nice to him. She was right. There was times I was nice to him. There was a time he was daddy, daddy. It's a monster. Yeah. So she didn't, she didn't understand. I didn't understand. People don't understand. You might not even understand. Why a child? is bonded to someone that's hurting them. Yeah. But I understand today, and I hope you understand, that just because a child who has been put in a position where they're to love a parent that they're supposed to trust and honor how that child can survive or function in that setting. So anyway, my mom and I got it right. She eventually understood. I understand a lot more today. And that's why I've done a lot of things to be there for survivors and believe children and, and, and uh, try to understand the position that a child is in. So, anything else, Deborah, that I can share? No, I think that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.